What happens when you put two experts behind mics to match wits on the current state of financial services, the economy, investments, and more? From the American College of Financial Services, this is Wealth Managed. Welcome to today's episode of the Wealth Managed Podcast. I'm Michael Finca. I'm a professor of wealth management at the American College. And I'm David Blanchett, head of retirement research for Morningstar and an adjunct professor at the American College. David, robo-advisors. I love talking about robo-advisors. So the, I think the idea of robos emerged in the retail space, you know, call it call it a decade ago. It's probably less than that. There's actually been robo-advisors in defined contribution plans for over 20 years. But I think the key differential in a robo-advisor versus, say, a traditional financial advisor is that your primary method of interaction is online. Right. So while I think the more traditional financial advisor relationship would have been someone local that you called, you know, I define robo as a service or solution where you engage primarily online. Now, there's all different types of robos. Some robos are entirely online. There's not necessarily someone that you can call. Others are kind of more hybrid in nature where you have, you know, a primary online interface and the individuals that you can reach out to as well. How does my definition of robo align with yours? First of all, talk to me about the advantages of a robo, because I think that really gets to the essence of what value the robo is providing to a client. So what can a robo do and can a robo do it better than an actual living advisor? There are some robos that are free and there are some robos that cost over 1%. A lot of the earlier robos had relatively low fees. Say they were 25 basis points. And that 25 basis points was on top of the investment expenses, which were typically ETFs. And so, you know, let's just say that the all-in cost of a robo was 50 basis points for the advice and for the investments. That could compare to, you know, 150 or 200 basis points for a more traditional advisor. So I think that where robos, their goal was to kind of catch on was to offer a slick interface and very competitive fees versus a traditional financial advisor. First of all, the way you're defining a robo is that it's primarily an investment manager. It's not really a financial planner. It's something that is automatically managing your investment portfolio. What can a robo do that a planner can't do or at a lower cost? Well, okay, so you're giving me this like, what the f*** are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Let me start that over again. There are some things that robos can do, I think better than a financial advisor. One of those could be something like tax loss harvesting, where you own a portfolio of ETFs and the robo will automatically decide when to buy and sell in order to maximize your after-tax return on the portfolio. I know, David, that you've seen some of the claims about how much extra return you can get from this type of tax loss harvesting, and you have some questions about that. There's nothing that a a robo can do that an advisor can't do, right? A lot of financial advisors leverage the same technology that robos employ to manage portfolios. You know, robos talk about things like tax loss harvesting. Yes, they can do it or the advisor can do it. I think that to your point, I do define most robos as investment managers because while they do offer usually some level of financial planning, I think that their primary kind of core competency that they talk about is I will manage a portfolio for you. However, 
that's the same core competency that most advisors talk about today as well. I think most advisors focus on investment management versus kind of more holistic financial planning. One of the criticisms of robos that primarily provide investment management services is, wait a minute, there are ETFs that exist today that will put you in a globally diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds, and it will have an asset allocation that depends on your age, and it will have a glide path, and it will automatically rebalance and do these things that a robo is supposed to do, but it'll only charge you five basis points for what the robo is charging you 40 basis points for. So what is the extra benefit that you're getting from the robo? Well, to be clear though, an advisor would also then maybe charge you hundred basis points. So I guess the, the marginal fee is all relative, right? I think that the services offered by robos differ significantly as do the cost, right? There are some that charge a monthly amount. There are some that charge 25 basis points. There are some that charge over 90 basis points. I think what they can offer investors is a low cost fiduciary to manage their portfolio. I mean, I kind of liken robos to tax preparation software, right? So if we go back like 20 or 30 years, there wasn't, you know, like all these online tools that you could use and it was a huge pain to do your taxes. Well, you know, now a lot of people actually, you know, utilize some form of help when it comes to doing their taxes. What I view robos as primarily is a way for more investors, more individuals who, who hadn't before had access to professional help to get it because they can offer, you know, relatively high quality portfolios and advice for very small accounts, which most advisors aren't able or willing to do. Right. So really the strength of the robo is its software, its ability to provide value over and above what you could get from an investment only type of approach or from the actual product structure approach. So what are some of the advances that you see going on in this space that are really providing true value to clients? You know, a lot of early robos were just pure robos. They didn't actually offer the, the ability to call in and talk to someone. But increasingly, you know, individuals, you know, want, want access to someone to help them if they've got questions. I think we're seeing more robos have access to live advisors. They're offering more holistic guidance. They're offering financial planning. They're really kind of offering a lot more of the services that you would define as part of a holistic financial plan. So what does a flesh and blood advisor actually provide that a robo can't? And do you see them taking away business from actual physical financial advisors? I think that they will definitely take away some business, right? I think that a large portion of the individuals that work with them weren't going to necessarily go to a, a traditional financial advisor. So if anything, it's kind of increasing the overall pie of individuals that are using a professional advisor. Now, that being said, I think advisors can do more. I think having that person that you can call, having that local individual creates significant value, right? I think that robos, though, offer a really strong entry point for someone that doesn't have a lot of assets, but wants help. And again, can get it in a very non-conflicted way. That's a good point, David. Let's take a quick break. The American College of Financial Services is dedicated to providing applied financial knowledge and education, promoting lifelong learning and advocating for ethical standards for the benefit of society. I'm George Nichols III, President and CEO, and I encourage you to listen and subscribe to this and other college podcasts as we continue to expand our horizons in this digital landscape. Remember, no matter what, we are always stronger together. Visit theamericancollege.edu to learn how you can be part of the change we're building. Get best-in-class preparation for your exam with our CFP Certification Education Program. 
Start your journey toward this valued designation at theamericancollege.edu slash CFP. Welcome back. Let's continue where we left off. My own opinion is that the, the technology that's gone into robo-advisors can help physical advisors do a better job of actually managing client investment portfolios. And it also changes the skill set that is most valuable for an advisor. It's no longer the ability to select investments and manage a portfolio. Much of that specific knowledge can be replaced by technology. What can't be replaced is your ability to make a client feel comfortable, to trust you, to dig deeply into what their goals are, to better understand how much risk they're truly willing to take with their investments, to understand some of the complexity of their relationships with their children or with their spouse that is going to make it necessary that they do, you know, create a trust or do some more complex types of planning techniques that a robo is not going to be able to detect. That's where the true value comes from. And I think the more skills you have outside of that very, and I think it's becoming commoditized. The, the investment management portion of the skill set is becoming commoditized, replaced. You can do that part at a lower price, but the true skills, that skill set that's irreplaceable, that's becoming even more valuable. Yeah. I mean, I, I think to your point, in theory, there's nothing a robo can do that an advisor can't. They can both leverage the same technology solutions. I think to your point, the relationship that someone would have with an advisor to be probably a lot more in-depth with a, a traditional advisor versus a robo, but there's usually an additional cost there. And so I think what I'm curious to see is you know, how these different robo platforms evolve, how the different fee arrangements evolve. I think the, we're seeing just a huge difference in the ways that robos charge for their services the levels, et cetera, that is actually quite different than what we see in the traditional advisor space. And so who is offering what five years from now, I think will be absolutely fascinating. It is interesting to think about what are some of the advantages to a financial institution of managing someone's investment assets? What kind of information can you get about someone from knowing what their portfolio looks like? And if I'm a company and I realize, I recognize the value of this information, we may get to the point where people are providing free robo advisory services just so that they can manage those assets and have information about the people who are providing those assets to the financial company. And you know that's valuable information. And the integration of accounts, the ability to see where they're getting their financial services from across the industry, that's valuable information as well. If I'm Amazon and I'm thinking about the future of financial services, I'm thinking, how can I find a platform where I can provide low or no cost advisory services, but the requirement is that you have to give me all the information about your financial life. And that information is valuable. I mean, that's the way that a lot of online environments work. That's where the true value lies. So my sense is that in the future, we may end up going from 40 basis points down to close to nothing for at least online advisory services. Well, and some companies already do that, right? There are companies that, that can leverage enough revenue from using proprietary products or, or, or just using other services to make that possible. So yes, I think that fees will definitely get lower. And it does create, I think, an obstacle for more traditional advisors. Understanding like what is your value add for say 100 basis points versus this robo that does it for 30, you need to know what you're doing extra that's that's adding value. And I think you and I would agree that it's probably not picking a portfolio of funds. It's the other stuff that's going to add that value differential. Yeah, I agree, David. Now, let, let's take a moment and at least 
address the robos that exist within the defined contribution space. So most robo services probably that people are going to be exposed to exist within retirement savings plans. Right. So, you know, the original robo advisors were what are called managed accounts offered, you know, through defined contribution plans. And, you know, roughly about like half-ish today of defined contribution plans offer some form of robo advice. Again, it's called managed accounts in the DC space. And, you know, I think that this is a great way for someone to get introduced to the idea of online advice, because most people that have money, the money is in their 401k. And if they want help, it's not always clear where and how they can get it. This gives them an option. So in a way, it's kind of the democratization of financial advice within that retirement space. You're automatically placed into investments. You are provided with low cost advisory services within that ERISA protection environment. It is an attractive way to get more people exposed to the value of professional financial advice. But of course, that advice is provided without a human advisor in many cases, although some of them have a hybrid model. Yeah, I would say that increasingly there is a human attached. But you know, the, the problem is, is, is that every service is a little bit different. So it's kind of hard to generalize exactly what even robo-advice is today, given the changes we've seen over time. Well, on that note, David, thank you very much for joining us for this week's episode of the Wealth Managed Podcast. I'm Michael Finca. And I'm David Blanchett. See you all later. For more episodes and shows, visit theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. Wealth Managed is a production of the American College of Financial Services. 